if we're pitching you and they say, oh, we need a lifestyle image or can we have a link to their website and you don't have a website, you can't just put that writer on hold. You want them to tell your story. They're not waiting on you to get a website designed. So I like to tell people public relations is like we're the real estate companies when you're trying to sell a house. The house and the home has to be built. Hi there, it's Sewa and welcome to episode 40 of the She's Off Script podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. Joining us on today's episode is Brittany B. Brown. B's the founder and lead publicist of the B Agency. B has been dubbed the millennials publicist for her work with helping millennial innovators, game changers, and doers build and maintain lucrative businesses. If you've been trying to get publicity for your business, pull out your notebook because B breaks down a DIY strategy you can use to get publicity as well as shares how you can prepare your company to be taken seriously by media contacts. Before we jump into today's episode, I have a question for you. Yes, you. Don't forward. Do you remember the moment you realized the path you were going down was not meant for you? Well, we want to share your off script moments on this podcast and hear where your off script journey has taken you. Whether you've changed careers, ended a relationship, started a new business, moved countries, or significantly changed your mindset, we would love to share your story. If you would like to be featured as the off-script listener of the week, send me your story at hi, that's H-I, at she'soffscript.com. Again, that's hi at she'soffscript.com. With that, let's dive into the episode. B Brown, welcome to She's Off Script. I actually started following you after we had one of your clients, Megan Ward, on the show for episode 23. But for anyone in our audience who hasn't heard of you or the B Agency, could you share who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, so my name is Dee Brown. I am the founder and principal publicist of the B Agency Public Relations. And we strive and we aim to help businesses and brands catapult their exposure through press and media placements, as well as we aid in the development of campaign building, helping you become your brand outside of your website and logo. So that's pretty much what we do in a nutshell under the public relations room. And I've been doing this for going on about eight years now. Wow. Congratulations. So why PR? What prompted you to start the B Agency? Yeah, so I was actually in college when I learned about what public relations was. It wasn't something or subject that, you know, we we hear a lot. And so I was first exposed to that when I was heavily involved in a lot of college campus organizations. And I had to put on a fashion show and get 1,500 people to come to an actual institution that wasn't known for fashion. And I had a gift to gab. I had a gift to telling people how amazing something was, as well as I had a connection to press and media. And so that's when someone said, you know, you should think about going into public relations. And I was like, what's that? So of course, I Googled it. I looked it up and started doing some more research. And I was like, okay, this looks like something I'll be interested in because I actually um, was going to school to become a secondary education teacher. I wanted to teach high school English or theater arts. And so I was a little bit late in the game to change my major, but then I was able to switch just to communications overall. Um, and I took a couple of PR courses and I was like, I can, I think I can do this. And so I started seeking out different people who 
So we're doing public relations in my city. I'm um, in Detroit, based in Detroit. And that's when I started finding mentors and people who um, attended my university as well as who accomplished things in their own room who looks like me. And so that's when I started developing that understanding of what public relations was and what I needed to do to um, kind of expose myself more into the world of public relations. Okay, so before we dive further into your journey, could you clarify for us what PR is and what it isn't? Yes, Ooh, what it isn't. That's all. No one's ever asked me what it is and isn't. <laughs> so um, I kind of, the textbook definition that I like to give is when a business or brand or entity corporation, whatever the case may be, is relating something to their public or a public. And that can be in the form of media, which is through... Um, television, print, um, radio, all forms of media, you're taking something and saying, this is what I have. I want to expose this to as many outlets, as many targets as possible. And so a publicist, and I know a lot of people may confuse and say, oh, you're, you do P, you're a PR. So PR is the actual action of it. And the publicist is the, the actual title of the person who performs public relations. Good and to know. Yes, because a lot of people say like, oh, I'm a PR. Like, no, you're not a PR. You do PR, but I get it. But um, what PR is not is not marketing. It is not management. It is not... um, I think that's basically it for right now, that we it's not a lawyer. Um, sometimes we get bunched into the realm of course marketing and that we're a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we kind of do do some duties that may fall under the same realm, kind of touching into the two. But realistically, what our job is, is primarily to relate a message, product, service, person to an outlet and gain as much exposure, creating that buzz around whatever we're selling, whatever you're aiming to sell. So that's okay. that show. Well, I appreciate that. I thought it was going to be important to establish that foundation so people get the context as we move through this conversation. Um, but back into the conversation, I read that you felt you had to hide your decision to go into PR from your dad when you first made that decision in college. Why mm-hmm. did you feel that way at the time? Well, of course, we know it's a, a difference in the gap of how... Um, different generations prior to us view getting employment opportunities. One, public relations is not a well-known industry or job unless you're working for a major company or corporation. So in that regard, it was if you're not going in and out to office to work, it's, well, how are you making money? Are you okay? I don't understand. So I think it was just me kind of explaining like, okay, this is what I want to do. And it being like a generation gap of understanding that, you know, I want to do public relations and I'm fine with it. And I'm making a living off it and I'm doing it full time because actually when I graduated, I worked for a Fortune 500 company for about five years. And at the same time, in public relations, I was doing the B agency on the side, but I wasn't, I didn't have my contracted clients, but it was just a difficult way of explaining. And I think that was like my fear of him being proud of me to say like, yeah, I do public relations, but it was just like an understanding. So of course that this, that's something that took time. And now he's very proud of me. I'm not homeless. Um, <laughs> So, the, so there we are. I've, I had to write out a script for my parents just to say, oh. 
this is what I do because I think that's part of it is they want to be able to brag on their kids about this is what my kid is doing. But if they have no clue, then they start to feel uncomfortable for you. So I was like, if people ask, this is what I do. <laughs> yeah. So he knows now just because of mm-hmm. the different accolades and because sometimes people have seen me on the news and then mm-hmm. it makes more sense. And it's, it's a weird thing. It's like, oh, I have to get these things for you to understand and know it's for real. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, because I want to make sure you're good and you can pay your bills mm-hmm. because we're a part of a generation where we're totally going off the the radar. We're breaking generational curses. Going off script. Going off script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, we're going way off script. And so it was, it's just um, having that confidence to saying, this is what I do. I know I'm good at it. And now mm-hmm. he wants to hire me. So see, and he was, he's a full-time, he's an entrepreneur. I've always known him as an entrepreneur. So I think it was just a fear that he didn't want me to have to go through the same things that he went through in terms of dealing with clients. But mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, well, that's great that he did have that entrepreneurial background. So it's something that you could probably draw on as you grew on your entrepreneurial journey as well. So now fast forward to the point where you knew you wanted to go full time with the agency. What kind of boxes did you have to check off for yourself before you left that Fortune 500 job? So I was, I know like sharing your story, I just was like, I don't want to do this no more. I would not recommend that for anybody that's out there listening. But for me, I think, of course I was tired. I know I had a position um, with, with the NFL team to do something. And I remember I had to put the request in to request time off to go do something that I love to do. Mm. right there in that moment I remember I was sending the email to my management team and I was just like this doesn't feel right that I have to constantly put in requests for me to do things that are a part of my personal life or that are part of things that make me happy and so in that moment I didn't know how it was going to happen but I was just like this doesn't feel right this is going to be my last day so that same week that's when I did a um social media um, branding course with um, NFL team for their um, training camp. And that was the week that I was like, I'm not going back. And so boxes that I had to check off, I didn't have any solidified contracts or clients. I didn't have those things. I just, I was doing work, but not making the same amount of money that I was making, depending on a check every two weeks. And so for me, of course, I went through a depression when I first, you know, quit because I was like, okay, I got this check left. I got this coming in. So I got to stretch this out. And these are things that people don't talk about if they make that leap or that jump. And so I'm coming from the back end of saying I didn't plan. Um, and for me, it was really putting myself in a position to say, okay, you really are going to do this. If you're going to do this, make it work. And that was me having to like get up, go to a coffee shop and solidifying myself on what I wanted to do and pitch myself and then, you know, have whatever mindset to get it done. Mm-hmm. But boxes that I checked, I just knew I had to have the confidence and the drive to know like this is not going to be easy and know it's going to be hard. And so every day. Wow. So did you ever face the decision of paying bills versus investing in your business when you were first starting out? Oh, Absolutely. Um, I remember, and this, and I don't think I've ever told this story. I remember I was nervous about literally driving my car to a coffee shop to doing something because I didn't, I was like, I don't want to waste gas because I don't know where my next ch- chunk of money is going to come from. And I don't want to like 
wasted on driving when I can stay at home and do it. But you know, you really you can get only so much work done at home before you get too comfortable and you don't mm-hmm. do what you need to do. And so it was like pain. It was so many times like, should I do this? Or should I invest in a website or get this done? And so it was like a balance of kind of understanding, like, how do I decipher what needs to get done? What's a need? What's a want? And my bills and balancing. When you become a full-time entrepreneur, accounting and budgeting become your best friend, as well as investing in an accountant to help you guide you through that, because it can be very, very scary when you don't have that safety net coming in. Talking about wants and needs... I have to assume you have friends in the Detroit area who wanted to go out to brunch, go out to, you know, shop, whatever the case may be. How do you have those conversations with friends when you really don't have it like that? So, and this is even starting back in college because I founded my agency when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And so this was at the point in time when people still wanted to hang and go out and go to clubs mm-hmm. and stuff like that or go to like... Um, I'm in a sorority, so people want to go like to Greek, Atlanta Greek picnic. And I was like, I can't go because I want to get this website built. Mm-hmm. And so it it's a awkward conversation because people may not understand. There, there's going to be a lot of people throughout your journey who are not going to understand that route that you want to take. And then there's going to be people who are going to support you and say, okay, do what you need to do. And so that's a personal self journey that you have to go through of having those awkward conversations and putting your foot down and saying, um, I wish I could go, but there's just right now, I can't afford to do that. And having that confidence and being okay with saying that because in the long run, it will pay off. And I will scream that from the mountaintops. It were so many opportunities and so many events that I didn't go to because I wanted to stay and do a press release and meet a deadline that in the end, it put me in this exact position that I'm able to do this full time based on the decisions that I didn't do when I could have been doing something that was like, this is not a benefit for me in the long run. You always have to think of the bigger picture in the future that's going to help you. Oh, that's a testimony. Sacrifice in the short run just for growth in the long run. So now that you were fully immersed in it, how Mm -hmm. did you get your first few clients? So I did read that Tommy Walker from Detroit versus everybody asked you to be his publicist. So how did that even come about? And then how did you get your next few clients? So with Tommy, so I was always, so I'm actually from a suburb of Detroit. And mm-hmm. so I always was very, very pre my dad always taught me to read the newspaper, be conscious of everything that's going around you so you can have a conversation with anyone and not just in one narrow straight room. Mm-hmm. And so I always knew of Tommy Walker and his brand. And so when I was doing the fashion event um, at college, I was like, okay, we need to, we need to invite these certain brands. And it was people at my, so my university was in like a further suburb of Detroit. And so people knew because the majority of people attended, they were from Detroit. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, we got to have this person, this person, Detroit was everybody. It's a newer brand. This is when nobody really knew who he was. And I just I was like, he got some potential. And Tommy just was like, I've been watching you. And I remember after a was like, I want you to be my publicist. Now, mind you, I never had a contracted client. I didn't know like, okay, how do I do a campaign for him? I didn't know anything like that because I was just used to doing um, college PR events. Mm-hmm. And I used to do the events on my campus. Like we were a 
legit, like it was the BET Awards. Like any mm-hmm. event that I wanted to put on, like we have to do it to a whole nother level and a whole nother scale. So that's like me sending out press releases, doing VIPs. Like it was not the norm at a college level in Michigan on how I was conducting things. And so I always was conscious of how I moved. And whenever I volunteered for anything, um, and people were watching, never know who's watching. So Tommy had been watching me for a couple of years through social media because I think that's when Facebook was really popular when you only can have like a college ID to be on there. And so that's how he became my first client. And then after that, people just started recognizing my work because I volunteered a lot. I did a lot of free work. So any event that I saw that was going on in Detroit and I knew I could either volunteer, I knew I could coordinate, I knew I could help uh, be behind the scenes, I volunteered my time. And so when I did those things, I did above and beyond. And I always try to make as many connections as possible. So my name started kind of building up a buzz. And that's when it was just like, oh, you need somebody to help you with your event? Call Brittany, call Brittany, call Brittany. And I was very, very present on social media at the time. And so everything just kind of grew from there on. So it's been people have been watching my journey since I've been in college to me now as like a 30-year-old grown-up. And so it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. And Tommy's one, Tommy's one of those people. Mm-hmm. Wow. So many nuggets and everything you just said. One about you never know who's watching, no matter what it is that you're doing. And two, just putting yourself out there and volunteering. A lot of people are just looking for the check right out of the gate. And unless you are a unicorn, people are probably not going to pay you right off the bat. So you have to establish a track record of some sort. You have to establish a track record and now with with social media and word of mouth that's how people that's how people decide who they want to invest in that's how people decide who they want to work in is on your credibility mm-hmm. yeah you may have some situations where you may not have done the best but just having integrity and being a good human is something that will take you a long way and I know there may be clients that I may have never not gotten one or two placements for them, but at the end of the day, I was a good human and I still respected them and I was still, you know, upfront with them on certain things to where they will still come back to me if they need something. So mm-hmm. just being a good human and, and just helping people. And that's that's one thing that I really, really pride myself on is at the end of the day, is yes, it's business, but it's also about helping people get their story and get their brand out there and really, really submersing yourself into these people's businesses and their babies. Mm, That's such good advice. But most businesses, most new businesses fail in their fifth year or even before then. Eight years into running your own firm, you're still around. Why do you think you've been successful? Just, I'm I'm definitely a hard worker, but just going back to the integrity piece and always thinking five steps ahead and thinking of innovative ways to somewhat change the game or step into the game. And for me, I know I'm not perfect. I know I would never say like, oh yeah, you know, I can do anything. I can get you on this and that, but just really thinking outside of the box and just being that helping hand to someone because owning a business and introducing a product or service or brand, it is scary. You're investing time, money, energy, effort into this. Mm-hmm. And it's so scary. And people want to make sure that they have not only a peace of mind, but just someone who believes in them and supports them and pushes them because it is hard. And mm-hmm. so 
it's hard for me to watch them, but then it's like, okay, that balance of knowing that you have to be 100% so you can make sure they're good. For me, in terms of how am I continuously going through is me being in tune with myself and knowing when I need to step back, knowing when I need to be honest, knowing when I need to admit my mistakes and just knowing when it's like, this is not right. You need to revisit this and being honest with my clients. And it's a learning process and journey. So through these eight years, no, I'm having everything perfect. I don't get every client. I don't win every proposal. Um, I can admit every, like all my flaws that are, you know, lessons in the run, but it's just being a good human being. I think that's what's gotten me to this point is being a good, good human being. Speaking about admitting flaws, did you make any major mistakes along the way? And if so, what was the biggest one and how did you recover oh. from it? So it recently just happened last month. <laughs> Ooh. It just happened last month. Um, well, two, I had to, so last month was a, was a month. It was a month. And I believe it was a month because it's a certain, you go through certain levels. So when you're about to shed some things, something's about to come into your position, your life, you go through some things to kind of open you up for new opportunities and new levels. And so mistakes, we don't look at them as mistakes. We look at them as lessons. Um, but just simple things like taking on too much and not being transparent with a client or someone who's asking, can you handle something? And you thinking like, yeah, I can handle it. But really in your back of your mind, like, no, I really don't think I can, but I just don't want to say no. And so I dropped the ball on something to an important client and it put me in a bad position to where they recommended me to work with someone who, um, is their new partner and I dropped the ball. So I not only made her look bad, it was just like, I then had to scramble to get things done in less than a week of an event. Mm. And thank goodness that I have the capability of willing myself back in, I had to take a couple of days off and I can easily call certain people, but that doesn't happen in every case. So just being very transparent and knowing when to say no and knowing when to be upfront and honest is a part of the journey and growth because you, you don't want to disappoint someone, especially someone who you may have been working with. You don't want them to think like, oh, you can't handle it. But it was just like, what am I doing? And it was a lot of apologies, a lot of things. And it was just, it was really, really, it was really like, oh, I'm, I've dropped the ball. And this has been a client who's been my client for six years. So Oof. yeah, that was one situation. The other situation was I agreed to do something without the approval of my client. My client knew nothing about it. And in the end, I asked to actually pay out of my own pocket for something for a client event. And so at this point, is it just you running the shop or do you have help? I do have help. So yes, I do have help. Um, I have a partner publicist who's based in New York, as well as I have an admin team. I have interns. Um, so I do have help um, under me, but in terms of like the principal publicist, that's me in terms of the pitching. But of course, we're in the, um, the phase in the development of the expansion. So how do you know then when it's time to bring on help? Every situation is different, but it got to a point where it's so much to handle to where you know that you need to bring in someone who has a different expertise in a different lane. Mm. So for me, pitching is a major thing that I do. So if I know I can connect with someone else who can pitch better than me and curate creatively better pitches than me, then I want them a part of my team. And this is where any of the competition 
all of that is immense because you always want to have people on your team who can do things better than you um, because you can learn from these individuals because you can't do everything. You don't know how to do everything. And so when you start, we're, we're molded to think that, you know, you're a one woman show, you can do it all. No, especially when you expand and everyone wants to have larger enterprises, bigger companies, you can't do it all by yourself. Like you can't because you want to take some time off. If you take time off, how is the company or agency going to run? It can't. So that's money being missed, it's opportunities being missed, and we can't afford that. And so some days you may need to tap into somebody else. Hey, I have a personal emergency. Can you help in? And that's where the trust factor comes in. And it may take you some time to find someone who's the best fit for you. And that's perfectly fine. But I knew when I wanted to expand and I knew it was a lot of people coming to me and they didn't want to explore any other opportunities or options or agencies. And I was like, okay, let me figure out how I can make this work and um, hire someone who can tap in and help me out, who is on a whole different level than me, who can do things better than me as well. See, that's good advice too. You aren't necessarily thinking about how do I hold on to all the money I'm making, but you are looking to make an investment in your future. Absolutely. And then you can't have all the money. And I think that's a misconception that people think that if they, a lot of people want to put negative conversations on people who are in the same industry. Let's be clear. You can't make, you can't have all the money. Like you mm-hmm. cannot have all the money. You can't have all the money. You can't have all the clients. So for me, I have so many people coming to me looking for PR and entertainment. I don't do entertainment PR. It could be me saying, well, I can figure out how to do it just to keep this. No, if that's my, not my lane and not my expertise. I'm going to pass this on to someone who can do this and who can do it better versus me telling someone that I can do something where I don't have the expertise in doing. So they're going to pay me money. I may not do it properly. So then they're going to look at me crazy mm-hmm. and it's going to ruin my reputation because people do talk. So why would I not give that opportunity to someone else? There's been opportunities, even with my partner publicist, where I couldn't take on certain projects, I'll just say, hey, she'll be perfect for you. I trust her. She can get it done. And that's, that's how we're going to keep this cycle going. We, you can't have all the money. It wasn't mm-hmm. for you will be, it's going to come back to you. So you, we have to get off this notion of, if I give this away, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to come back. It's perfectly fine. So, mm, thank you for that. That's a good point. It takes a lot of growth. It takes a lot of... Um, understanding that you have to learn in your end, but it eventually happens. So. Okay. So now for anyone thinking about getting PR for their businesses, mm-hmm. how, how do I know if my business is ready to retain a PR agency? So I'm, a, and this is me only speaking on behalf of the B agency under my expertise. Um, we hold it firm that there's a certain brand foundation that needs to be laid that you have a proper and updated working website, that you have an acknowledgement of your mission, as well as you have your metrics and numbers, as well as if you want to introduce a product. Is your product already in production? Is everything laid out? Are you just ready to put it out there? Understanding that you have to have a foundation laid because with a publicist, there are certain things that we have to have when pitching you to per se, like an Essence, uh, Huffington Post, certain publications that, they need for us to do our job. So it causes a delay. If we're pitching you and they say, oh, we need a lifestyle image or can we have a link to their website and you don't have a website. So it's, we've missed out on that placement that you can get. 
And then you can't just put that writer on hold. Say like, oh, give me a couple of months. We're going to tap back. No, that is that can't happen because mm-hmm. they, they have a deadline. They may have to go through the editor, get approval. Once the editor gives them, them the approval, they're looking for that. This writer may be, depending on that article, for a check because they can get paid from these as well. And you just you want them to tell your story. They're not waiting on you to get a website design. So I would say once you know you're ready is when you have everything laid out and you're ready to present it. So I like to tell people public relations is like we're the real estate companies when you're trying to sell a house. The house and the home has to be built. It has to be furnished. Those things have to be in place. So that's your website. That's your social media. That's your um, lifestyle images. That's everything that you need to present yourself. And then the real estate agent is selling this to potential people to be interested. That's your target audience, that's press, that's media. So that's our job. We can't sell an empty home. So that's the best way to put it. Ooh, I like that analogy. We can't sell the empty home. Now, if a new business doesn't have the budget to hire you early on, is there a good DIY PR strategy you would recommend for their launch? Absolutely. You can definitely do your own PR. I will tell that to anyone because I know PR is a major investment. It's a major mm-hmm. investment. If you are not ready to make that major investment, do not allow anyone to push you into saying you need to figure out how to make this work because you're going to be pushed up against a wall so where you can't pay a publicist and then it's just mess and we don't we don't want that. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, just kind of figuring out who do you want to share whatever you have going on to making a list of your dream publications that you want to be featured in or just how do you want to get the word out in terms of placements and press and then doing your own research on finding different writers that may be interested in your brand um if you have a product a lot of editors or writers um you send them you create a pr package on with your product included in there. And if they use it and they like it, you potentially can get a feature. This is not something that's guaranteed, but this is something that you can do on your own within your own research of just looking to see who writes for what publication. We have Instagram, we have social media. There are different ways, LinkedIn, that you can easily put in the job and put in the name of the publication or the media outlet. And you can see everyone who works for there. Um, And then if you can't find their email, you may have to do the research and find them on Instagram. It is a lot of research. So this is where people just say, like, I can't do this. I'm hiring publicists. But you can do it. um, And you can do your own PR in terms of building your own campaigns creatively. PR is just not only getting in TV and media. PR is spreading a word to your target. So that's you doing creative campaigns, a video, um, releasing a picture campaign that you can just do on social media, um, through sponsored ads, you can curate a campaign to where you get five local celebrities that believe in your brand and do a whole campaign. Like that's PR too. So we're going into 2019 traditional PR is still traditional PR, but there's innovative ways that you can catapult that. And I am a firm believer on that. Some people may not agree with me with that, but you can create your own PR, especially with how we have things, things go viral like this Mm. it can easily be done all at the fingertips of a device that's free you can make it you just need to be willing to put in the work it sounds like you have to yes you do have to put in the work because a lot of people won't come to you sometimes they may i know some people who did not pitch themselves out there but they had a product and people came to them but that's not that's a unicorn situation it does not happen with every situation but just knowing you will have to do some work and it 
potentially may pay off. That's well, that's what the publicist does. We have to we have to still put in the work. I can send out 50 emails. I only get one yet. Mm-hmm. See, that's good to know how often even you, the professional, strikes out so people know how, how many times they need to try. But yeah. I know the other reason new business owners are skeptical about getting PR is just because it's difficult to see the return in the short run. So is there an approach to getting PR you find is most impactful? Um, and I know, and this is when I definitely explain it to new people who have never worked with a publicist before. It's not like you're going into a PR store and you're picking up a shirt. It's nothing that's tangible. So the measurement is something that's very hard. When looking for an agency, look at their results. Look at what they've done in the past for different brands, but also holding an understanding that what may have worked for that brand, it may not work for your Mm -hmm. brand. And understanding the presentation of what they're presenting to you in terms of a proposal, how well is it laid out? What have they done in the past? Have those conversations of people who are represented by them or who they work with in the past. It's okay to ask people for those things. And it's okay to ask that person who you're looking to work with, what what in detail can you flush out and tell me that can be done? Now, keep in mind, that's a piece of our bread and butter. So we may kind of keep it really bullet pointed because to protect our integrity and protect our creativity, we may not give you so much because that's when we want to do the strategy build out. But just really do your research and say, what have you done and what strategies did you do for this brand? And what what were their needs? What were their wants? And how can you help me fully understand what public relations is? Because I know it's so hard um, even still now of explaining, this is what you're going to get with PR. How does PR payment work? Like, it's so hard. Um, it's kind of like car insurance too. In a, okay, not car insurance, because that is saving your life if in the case something happens. But it's, I always tell people to ask as many questions, go over the contract with a legal representation before signing anything, mm-hmm. having an understanding of what you're getting, and then speaking up if something is not being done or if you're you're not clear on something, ask. Communication is key. Publicists cannot read your mind. Do not go to someone else and ask another publicist, hey, well, such and such is my publicist, but she's not doing X, Y, and Z. Don't do that. Have that conversation with your publicist to have it very clear, crystal clear communication. Communication is so key. So Now, once you get me placements, whether it's in magazine, television, blogs, whatever the case may be, how have you seen clients take that coverage and leverage it to actually grow their businesses? Oh, absolutely. Prime example, Megan Ward with Femology. That's the prime example. So with her, you can't depend on, the publicist is not the person that we're doing this placement so you can sell this amount of people or sell these amount of tickets for someone to attend an event. That's not our job. Once you get placement, that's why strategy is so important to have in place so you can know after this goes viral, after this is released, we need on our end to have our social media to be ready to to blast off an email thread or, or just interact with those people that are communicating with us and that are interested in us after that goes live. So for example, Megan, it's 
no one, we, she introduced something. Femology is Detroit's first co-working space for um, women and female founders. It's something that had never been done. So after we got the traction on that, it was, okay, so the brand has to continuously keep putting themselves out there, matching the information that we're giving. So don't just think after you get a publication and you're on the news, the work is done, everything's going to fall into place. No, you still have to continue to creating product, executing your services, whatever the case may be, it still works to be done because your publicist and you are a team. Like it's supposed to be like, yeah, we got it. What's on to the next? You got a new product. Okay. We got to go on to the next. You got to keep it coming out so everything can be consistent flow. Mm, I like that because sometimes people don't know what to do with the inflow of traffic they're getting. They think that's just the end point. Now people are going to start buying from me. And the analogy I like to use there is Groupon for small businesses. When the Groupon goes live and everybody comes and they're buying your Groupon and all of a sudden your service level tanks, you're not answering phone calls, service is just going down the drain. They're just not ready for that influx of attention. And that's going back to the original question of when do you know that you're ready? When you know that this article or this television interview is going to curate people calling you, people wanting your services. So you have to have something already in place for that to be ready. I've worked with brands to where it's been a gift and a curse to where once we did a TV interview, they couldn't handle the amount of people that were looking for their services that they were offering. And then we can work in the other end on, oh, we increased our sales 50 or 70% because we knew we were going on the news. So we had our team in place and our social media in place and we made sure our bandwidth was enough to withstand the service orders. So you have to just make sure that when you reach out to someone and you want to get public relations done, understand that you also have to match that and be ready at the same time. Like it has to, like you have to be ready. Mm. So if you could leave our listeners with just one gem that, If they remember nothing else from this episode, that's what they should remember. What would it be? I would say your journey is your journey. No one else's journey. As well as do whatever they say that you can't do, but do it 10 times better. Ooh, that's the way to prove them wrong. I like it. So where can people find you after they hear this episode? On social media, you can find me at B-E-E Brown P-R. That's on Instagram as well as Twitter, as well as on my website, www.thebagency.com and B-S-O-P-E-E. Well, B, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. We love the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you made it to the end of today's episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please go on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and write us a review. As always, don't forget to share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, anyone who cares to listen. We'll talk to you next time.